Thanks for joining us for part four of Judge Curitan's interview. And if over the years I've looked at opinions that you had drafted and opinions that you had revised from that your clerks had drafted, would I notice any significant difference? Can they adopt your style? <laughs> uh, yeah, they've done a pretty good job. I, I like to, uh, I do like to revise my opinions somewhat. You know, I'm just not going to. Uh, and I think it's good to develop your own own style. Not that you uh, reject a, 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 a good writing from a law clerk because it may be better than you can write. Uh, but, you know, like we, we've got one judge, for example, that goes through opinions and he'll put certain words in there uh, and you can always... You always you could you could read his opinions and you would know he wrote them because those those words appear over and over in his opinion. Well, I certainly don't don't adopt that style. I'm not going to adopt that style because I don't I, you know I don't I think there's a lot to be said by words, but I I think you know there's no words that are really that unique. You got to use them over and over again. But yes, I do try to keep my style, and, and hopefully, uh, you you wouldn't be able to distinguish uh, 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 opinions written five years ago from this year because I got a different law clerk. Hopefully, you can answer that better than I could. <laughs> now I'd like to get you to talk a little bit about your um, campaign for the Supreme Court in two thousand. Uh, I'd like you to talk both about your decision to seek that seat and uh, your strategy for getting it and what ultimately happened uh -huh. to that. Okay. Well, when, when uh, Justice Finney retired from the uh, Supreme Court, I felt necessary that, we, that an effort be made to try to continue the diversity on the court, on that court, I was urged by some of the legislators to uh, to seek that uh, seat because at that time I would have been the highest remaining uh, black judge within the uh, the system, uh, probably the oldest too uh, within the system. Uh, so what? I decided uh, that I, I would run for the a seat on the uh, Supreme Court. Uh, you know, in running for the Supreme Court, it's a little different from the Court of Appeals because you've got a, uh, it is a highest court, and you've got to appeal to a, a different uh, and a broader spectrum of legislators. However, the process in terms of getting the insiders to promote you in the legislature still remains the same, that you're going to have to have some people promote, promoting you. You're not going to be able to just walk off the street and say, here I am, uh, I'm running for the Supreme Court, elect me. You're going to have to uh, be promoted from the inside, if you, and if you don't have that promotion, I mean, you can sign up and run, yeah, but whether you even get through the screening process uh, is problematical unless you uh, are promoted to some extent uh, 
uh, by the legislature. Uh, and I recognize it as, as a fact, and, uh, and I, I recognize that, that uh, if I was going to get anywhere that I would have to have the proper promotion, so that's what I sought to uh, get people who would uh, promote me. Now, uh, it's a little bit uh, sensitive in terms of promotion because nobody is supposed to say it very early on that they're going to vote for you or anything like that. But nevertheless, you got to have people who will introduce you around and uh, will promote your name and things of that sort. So that was, that was a, a little bit different process from uh, what I was used to with the uh, Court of Appeals because you have to run for re-election. I ran for re-election a few times, but it's a lot easier when nobody's running against you than when uh, other people are running against you. Uh, at that time, I had uh, Gary Clary, who was a, a circuit court judge from the upstate, from Greenville area, Spartanburg area, and, and uh, Costa Flaconis, who... Uh, was a circuit court judge here in Richland County, the, who were the other two individuals running for the same position. Judge Placonis, now Justice Placonis, had run, I think, three times, two or three times before. And it's always helpful in terms of uh, the exposure you get uh, and the residuals from the exposure when you run several times, because there's I think there's some, I know there's sentiment out there that nobody's going to get elected the first time you run, even though a few people have. Uh, but the idea is you're going to have to run more than once to get elected. And so a person who's, who's been elected, I mean, who's run a couple times or more before, has a bit of advantage over somebody who's never run before uh, because, you know, you sort of earn your in, uh, entry pass by running, uh, having run before. So, uh, to some extent, both uh, Clary and myself were at a disadvantage in not having run before for the Supreme Court. One of the uh, other problems as far as my, me personally, one of the problems that I had to deal with at that time was we were in the midst of this big fight about bringing the uh, Confederate flag down. And so uh, there was a little bit of uh, animosity, uh, and there was an NACP, uh, you know, making, making threatening uh, calls over here and, and there about this and that and the other. And so in the midst of all that, I had to run, and so the atmosphere was not the greatest atmosphere for me to run in, in view of that big controversy in, involved in the Confederate flag. Uh, so uh, I guess the long and short of it was that up until the vote, I really did not know how that race was going to come out because, as you recall, all three of us had about the same amount of support going in to the, uh, uh, the uh, election, almost the day before election, on the day that we, uh, after uh, Judge Clary got out, 
uh, everybody pretty much went from him to uh, uh, Judge Placonis, and that sort of left me in second place, and, and, and that was the end of the game. Uh, but uh, what was the strategy? Uh, the strategy was to get all the votes I could by lining up co coalitions in the legislature, because that's the way it operates. Can you talk about how technology has changed the judicial system here in South Carolina? Yes. Uh, a lot. A lot. Uh, on the appellate level, uh, when we first started, uh, all of the research was done in books. Uh, the area, we, we didn't have uh, computers with uh, macros for this and that and the other. Uh, we, I remember Randy Bell and I were, were the first to get those, what they call automatic typewriters, where you could, it was auto, they make corrections themselves and that sort of thing. Now, of course, you, you got uh, computers there and uh, you can move whole blocks of information from this place to that place. You can do all of your research on computers. Uh, it's just, uh, yeah, one, t uh, one time uh, you could go to Iowa Library in the uh, Court of Appeals building and there'd be plenty of people there. It's seldom you see anybody in that library anymore. Uh, the books, I don't think, are up to date either because everybody's doing their research online on the computers. So it has changed, uh, and I'm sure uh, that the average lawyer out there that printing up a brief does not write every word in it like he used to, but he moves whole blocks of information from similar cases and arguments and that sort of thing uh, to, sort of to, to fit the particular appeal. Uh, uh, that he's dealing with. So it has changed a lot, uh, technology, and I certainly want to go back to where we were. You're not pining for the good old days? No, not pining for the good old days. Do you feel that the courts in South Carolina get adequate support in terms of staff and budget, space? Well, we're doing pretty good under uh, uh, Chief Judge uh, I mean, Chief Justice told, I think we're doing pretty good. There have been, you know, in the past, there have been uh, some uh, animosity, uh, I guess, between the legis the, uh, the Supreme Court uh, and the uh, legislature. Uh, but no, I don't think we get our full slice of the pie, no. Uh, I think that... Uh, when, and, and when there were more lawyers in the legislature and when there was a good relationship between the legislature and the Supreme Court, uh, I think we did better at times than we're doing now. But I think right now uh, there isn't a, a good relationship between uh, uh, Justice Toll and the legislature, and I think she's doing pretty good, uh, except these are hard times for everybody. And, for example, we were told that there was money available to do some renovations in the Court of Appeals building. I understand that's been put on hold, and that's because of the times, not because of 
and I'm sure the money came out of the budget from for other agencies too. It's just just bad timing, uh, bad times. Uh, but no, I think overall uh, we get something like one percent of the state budget, uh, and I think we'll do more than that. Do you notice any difference in the makeup or demeanor or ability between women attorney, attorneys and judges and men? Do they bring different characteristics to the work? Uh, uh, yeah, they bring different characteristics, but there are some there are some good female attorneys and uh, uh, out there. There are a lot more of them. Uh, when, uh, I understand now the law school about half of their class are more are women, and I can recall in my uh, class of seventy or eighty, there were about four or five women, and. Uh, you know, we've seen women judges come along. There weren't there, and there weren't any uh, when, when I first started practicing law. Maybe a maybe a probate judge or so, but they bring a different perspective, uh, and I, it's very evident in, in in some areas, like for example, in the domestic area. Uh, I, I and I think it's a good thing. But I think it depends on the overall ability of the females more than their gender. You've been a leader in the community and engaged in, in a wide variety of activities outside of the, the court. Can you talk a little bit about that kind of civic service and what role that plays and how important you feel it is for others? Okay. Well, at one time when I was a lawyer and also as a judge, as, and very early on, even on the Court of Appeals, I was involved in a lot of civic uh, organizations like United Way and a uh, number of Boy Scouts of America and uh, the uh, Family Service Center and uh, on, uh, I was on a board uh, a school board, I mean a private school board, not not a county school board, uh, and I think I think it keeps you in contact with the community, what's going on in the community. I think it's very important that uh, judges don't isolate themselves from uh, from the community. Now, and, and I'm very active in my church too. Now I know there there are some things we can't get involved in under the canons. We can't get involved in fundraising, and so you got to be very particular as to, to the kind of activities you get involved in. Uh, but I think it's absolutely uh, important that uh, judges uh, stay in touch with their communities, the communities they serve, and it's very important that uh, the communities see them. In, uh, uh, involved in community activity, activities. Um, South Carolina's legal community involves uh, individuals of great stature and some rather colorful characters. Of the men and women with whom you've been associated, who stands out in your mind and why? Well, uh, I think uh, even though he to me, he wasn't that personable uh, individual, but I think as far as chief justices that I've known, J. J. Woodrow Lewis was one who sort of brought us into 
the, uh, the uh, first the 20th century and now the 21st century, he, he, uh, he led the effort to first get adequate funding for the court uh, system and also uh, uh, for uh, uh, personnel and uh, physical facilities and that sort of thing for the court. And also as to the operation of the courts, he brought us uh, uh, into uh, the uh, uh, 20th century. So I think I think probably Woodrow Lewis would be first. I think uh, people like uh, Bruce Littlejohn was has uh, got to be counted in that number as well. He was very helpful in starting continuing legal education, for example. Uh, I think uh, Chief Justice Toll, in terms of technology, I, I think nobody could uh, can uh, approach the contributions she's made to uh, technology that she's brought into the system. But those three, uh, uh, and we've had some pretty good ones, uh, some really good ones, uh, uh, Justice Ness, Bubba Ness, was also was very helpful in improving the uh, judicial system. Anybody on the, the negative side you want to comment on? <laughs> <coughs> no, I don't believe so. <laughs> what surprised you most about your legal career? I guess what surprised me most is I became a judge in the first place. Uh, and, I, and like I said, I, I, I don't think, uh, I, I just don't think I could have planned on being, becoming a judge. You know, you hear these young people say, well, I'm going to law school and I'm going to be a judge. Uh, I don't know that anybody can plan it that, like that, but I, I just sort of happened into the position of uh, the first judgeship, as I was indicated earlier. So that surprised me most that I became a judge. It surprised me, secondly, that I ever rose to the level I, I did as a judge. Uh, you know, not, and I certainly don't have any regrets, but I'm, I'm, you know, I surprised a lot of other people too, I suppose. Uh, I surprised my daddy, I think, that I ever became a judge. He must have been very proud of you. I think he was before he died, yeah. If you had one piece of advice for someone contemplating a career in law, what would it be? What would you tell them? Well, first of all, I would tell them to to if you're going to go enter the law, make sure you're not you're going there for the right reason. Because if you're going into the law uh, to get rich, to make money, then you need to go somewhere else. Uh, and you may make money, you may make money, but you may not. Uh, I, I would tell them to make sure that you're going in there to either help people or because you, and because you enjoy it, you think you're going to enjoy it, you're going to make that your life work. Uh, and in the end, that you there be, because you want to be there uh, and not because 
you're there to make money or for some other ulterior reason. And what in your career have you enjoyed the most? The contacts with people, the ability to make a difference, the research? I think it's the ability to, to make a, a difference. Uh, I think that's why I went into the law to begin with, thinking that I could make a difference, that I could help some people who needed some legal help because you know, the context when I went into the law was a lot different in terms of the community that I was serving and and it was a uh wasn't as broad a community as it is now. But uh back then I could we could probably you could probably count the the minority black lawyers in South Carolina on both hands. Uh and I I saw a need for more black lawyers in South Carolina because there because the needs of the black population were so great and 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 I did not think that they were being fulfilled. So that is the reason why I went into the law. Uh and it's it was being gratifying that I think in some way I've helped to fulfill that need. Thanks for listening. We hope you join us next week.